Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, if I have not met you, my name is Kurt Bissell. I'm our uh, pastor of online engagement. I um, want to welcome especially those of you online. Um, please say hi in the chat, interact as we go along, welcome each other in. Um, and it's good to see all of you in the house here as well. Um, I want to take a moment um, just to acknowledge... Um, the violence and the, the pain that happened over the weekend in Buffalo. Um, I'm going to share a little bit more later in the sermon, um, a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King that I think really speaks to, to the tragedy uh, that, we, that we've experienced again. It says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so we just want to stand uh, in solidarity. Don't want to offer thoughts and prayers, but we want to offer prayers and tears and remember our call to be a renaissance of reconciliation. And so we know that there is hurt and there is pain and there is fear and worry. And so we stand with those communities that have been affected, not just in Buffalo, but across the country and here in our own backyards. Um, know that we love you and that we are with you. Now, I want to, um, we're going to talk, we're starting a new series on wisdom today, um, on the book of Proverbs, and so I thought it only appropriate to start with a passage of scripture out of Second Chronicles, because why not start a Proverbs series not in Proverbs? Um, in fact, when I was in seminary, um, and, I, and I told chap, pa, Pastor Chip this, and then lo and behold, here I am, is I took a, a course in, um, in Proverbs, which we studied a lot of it in the original language, um, the Hebrew, and I actually got a chance to translate uh, Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, Proverbs 8 um, from, the original, uh, from the original language. And so um, I'm really actually very excited to start this series. Proverbs is one of my favorite books in the Bible. Um, and it just has so much richness and goodness there. Now, I, I wanted to start this series out with talking about Solomon. Um, we, in, we engage and in, in experience Solomon here in Second Chronicles as he has just um, succeeded David as king. He's now king of Israel. And he, um, he's a young, young man, and he comes before the Lord, and he He's like, God, I, I want to reign well. And so we hear this story. God comes to Solomon and says, okay, ask for one thing. And I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I would have asked for what Solomon asked for. But Solomon, in his own wisdom, says, God, I need your wisdom and your knowledge. 
And so God grants that to him. Now, Solomon didn't just make that as a singular prayer and then ask the Lord to kind of supernaturally infuse him with all wisdom across all time. Instead, he makes it a lifelong pursuit. And we know this because we have the, um, the, the um, wisdom literature in the scriptures. So there's um, the, the book of Proverbs, of course, and then we have Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Song of uh, so, uh, Wisdom of Solomon, are just some of the books that we have that are, comprise the, the wisdom literature in the Bible. And so as we go in this series, my first question, of course, is what, what is wisdom? Um, and so, of course, to figure out what wisdom is, I went to Google and Googled it. Because we live in the age of wisdom, or the age of information, not the age of wisdom. And so I Googled it and decided to see if I could figure out what, um, what I could find. So wisdom is defined according to the Oxford English Dictionary slash Google as the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Makes perfect sense, right? We're going to get to this in a second. So in the Hebrew, the word for wisdom is hakma. And hakma is translated in a, several different ways in the Old Testament. It's translated as wisdom, of course, but also technical skill, experience, and shrewdness. Scripture and uh, wisdom in Scripture is more specifically defined as this. Wisdom is the art of being successful, of forming the correct plan to gain the desired result. I really like that definition because it's, it, it acknowledges that wisdom is an art. It's not a science. It's not just following the logic of A equals B equals C equals D. But there's an art to it. And there's, it's a dynamic thing that helps us gain the desired results. And I think for us as Christians, especially as we think about some of the violence and racism and all the isms of the world, our desired result is to glorify the Lord, to love the Lord, and to love people, to be light and love in the world. So how do we get wisdom? Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. I want to go to now Proverbs 8, because I think Proverbs 8 gives us a unique look at what wisdom is and how we can acquire it in our own lives so that we can live better lives and more godly lives, lives that are glorifying to the Lord. I really like Proverbs 8 because it offers this unique perspective of the uh, personification of wisdom as a woman. And so I'll refer to her as Lady Wisdom in, throughout this, uh, this sermon today because I, I believe that it's significant that in the Old and New Testaments that were written in a larger, from a largely patriarchal perspective choose to personify wisdom as a woman, as a female. And so I think we just need to pause and acknowledge that there is great wisdom among us in our 
mothers and our grandmothers and our sisters and, and, and the, the women in our lives. So that might be more of a word to the men. <laughs> I hear some clapping, I'm sure, from all of the husbands, yes. Husbands, this is where you clap. Okay, so, but I do think it's important that we acknowledge that, that there is, uh, there is a diversity among, in wisdom, and that it's not just um, designated for one group of people. So let's go to, to uh, Proverbs Verse, uh, Proverbs 8, verse 1. It says, Does wisdom not call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. Wisdom is diverse. It calls from all places and can be found in all things. Solomon understood this fact that, that wisdom wasn't just confined to the Israelite experience, but it was all across the ancient world. And so, in fact, uh, the book of Proverbs wasn't uh, written by Solomon, but he was more of the editor, the collaborator of the book of Proverbs. He went across the world, sought wisdom from that ancient world, and then put it together in one book. So there are plenty of the Proverbs that didn't originate in the Isra Israeli, uh, Israelite culture, but were from across the world. And I think this is why then we know that wisdom is diverse in all ways, is because the Bible contains wisdom from all places. And so we can learn that wisdom uh, can come from the old, it can come from the, the young, it can be gleaned in our backyards, it can be gleaned from halfway around the world. It's not bound by race or creed or gender or time or place or even religion. Wisdom can be funny, it can be serious, it can be sweet, it can be sour, it can be soothing, it can be painful. But wisdom is diverse. For my birthday this year, I decided to give my kids presents, in part, I think, to deflect from the fact that I was having a birthday. It was a, a milestone birthday. I will not say which one, uh, but I will tell you it was not 30. So I bought them a couple of different things. I bought them some stuffed animals that were actual animals because they love stuffed animals, but I also bought it because of the second gift that I gave them, which was I gave them each a book. I have four kids, and so I gave them each a book of folk tales from different cultures. Um, I gave them an African uh, folk tales book, a Latin American folk story book, and then also a Native American folk story book. And then I did give them a book um, by Adam Hamilton, who's a pastor in uh, Kansas City, United Methodist pastor. He wrote a book on the Lord's Prayer um, as he told it to his granddaughter. Um, and so I gave them these four books because I, I've got, we got really smart kids, and they've got access to all the information in the world, just like all of our young people today do. But I want to make sure that they are exposed to wisdom 
as well. And not just wisdom from my perspective or from the suburbs that we live in's perspective, but all across the world. I want them to experience a diverse perspective so that they might gain a diverse wisdom for their lives. And, and so I would just encourage each of you to keep your eyes, your ears, your hearts open to receive wisdom at all times and from all places. Wisdom is not confined to your worldview or to my worldview, but we all share a collective wisdom when we can draw from one another. As I mentioned before, Dr. Martin Luther King's famous quote, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. It's such an important thing that we engage in. That is our call as a, as a church, is to be uh, a renaissance of reconciliation so that we can be a light to all places, to be a love for all people. It's an interesting thing, though, is as I was listening to a, a podcast called uh, Beyond Black History Month, and it was just this last week, it was talking about the, the um, collaboration and the relationship between the African-American community and the Asian Pacific Islander communities, and how they have worked together for, for generations now, going back to the 1940s, to um, work against racism and against white supremacy. Um, and so it was just talking about how that collaboration happened in many different ways, and we still see that today as we um, experience the racial unrest of the last couple of years and the Black Lives Movement. We saw those two communities supporting one another, and then we saw an uptick, of course, in Asian violence as well. And, and it's important that not just those two communities come together, but all communities come together to support one another and to share wisdom from one another. Interestingly, is, is, um, one of the things they shared in this podcast was, was the idea um, that King shares in that passage actually uh, is rooted in, in Buddhism. And the words... Um, that Buddha wrote are this, hatred is never appeased by hatred in this world. By non-hatred alone is hatred appeased. This is a law eternal. So, so we know King was interacting with, with Gandhi and with, some, with other groups of folks, right? Um, and so we see this wisdom of light and love coming forth, not just out of the, um, the Christian tradition or the um, Hebrew tradition, but also from Eastern traditions as well. And so I think it's, again, a reminder that wisdom comes from all places, that wisdom is diverse, I love the last part of what it says in the, the Buddhist quote. It says, this is a law eternal. And that really brings us to our next point, that wisdom is eternal. It was created at the beginning of creation and continues to be present today. Proverbs uh, chapter 8, 22 and 23, and then 30 and 31 says this, the Lord created me, wisdom, at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. We're hearing there that God gets ready to create the universe, and the first thing he does is create wisdom. 
God understands that he needs Lady Wisdom there with him as he creates the world. As God creates the world, Lady Wisdom is there because there's an understanding that nothing can be created without wisdom. It goes on. And wisdom says, I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. I love that last part where wisdom says, I was delighting in the human race. That that wisdom and God are delighting over us. Each of us, even in our brokenness, in our, in our suffering, in our violence, wisdom is rejoicing on, over us because ultimately they know that there is redemption in that place. We also then know that wisdom is eternal. It's a foundational element of creation. I think we would be uh, wise to realize that we can create nothing, we can build nothing, a life, a business, a family, without wisdom being the foundation of it, without our love of God also being the foundation of it. Wisdom is what makes Scripture in many places eternally relevant. It's because wisdom is not confined to a time period. Uh, It's not confined to a a place um, or anything like that. It becomes eternally relevant for us. And that is what ultimately makes wisdom invaluable. Proverbs 8, 10, and 11 says this. Take my instructions instead of silver, in knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. So in my uh, real job, or my other job, I guess, um, I'm a financial advisor, and I'll give you um, a, a just quick insight. Uh, Nate, who was up on the screen a minute ago, is actually my business partner, and he's a pretty wise, uh, wise guy. Um, he also has a lot of wisdom. Um, <laughs> But he, I really value his friendship and relationship because he does. He has a wisdom when it comes to building business and many other things. But um, as a financial advisor, we get asked a lot, you know, what we should invest in, what, what people should invest in. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the, the stock markets have been extremely volatile over the last uh, six weeks or so and, and really extending beyond that. Um, if you didn't realize that, don't go look at your portfolio statements. Um, please don't do that. Um, but they, we, when we get asked those things, I generally answer them based on kind of what my research is, what my evaluation is of the economies, of the markets, uh, and kind of all of the things that are going on in the world. And so, um, but you'll also then hear uh, lots of different advice if you lo- ask, you know, ask Uncle John what his thought is, ask your neighbor, your mail, you know, your mail delivery person, whatever it might be. Their answers will vary. Some people will say stocks. Others might say bonds. Techies will say cryptocurrency. Doomsayers will say guns and gold. Preppers might say food and water. But the truth of the matter is this. The only true and timeless answer to what we should invest in is to invest in wisdom. And therefore, this morning, I want to leave you with a couple of ways um, to talk about how do we acquire wisdom in our own lives? 
how do we invest in wisdom? And the first way that we uh, acquire wisdom is through our own lived experiences. You can learn wisdom from the school of hard knocks. And the reality is, is that we have to gain wisdom by living life. But you can live the same year of your life over and over and over again. You can continue to make the same mistakes if you don't learn from them. So maybe that's through journaling, uh, self-reflection, self-awareness, talking to friends or family uh, about your experiences, about your mistakes, about your successes, and figuring that out. Uh, in parenting, they have this, this new approach, and maybe it's not a new approach, but they call it um, natural consequences. How many of you know what natural consequences is as a parent with your children? It's, it's just this. You let your kids make decisions, and then you let them experience the consequences of those decisions. If they want to wear shorts and it's 25 degrees out... Let them do it. They won't do that many times before they realize there are consequences to my actions. Now, we need to keep our children safe, right? We need to to have parameters to that decision, to those choices. But natural consequences is one way to teach our children wisdom so that they can go out in the world and live a life that will produce their desired results. I think God does this with us as his children. He allows us many times to experience natural consequences so that we might learn and gain wisdom. Some of us may have experienced natural consequences this week or maybe even this morning. But I believe that the first way we acquire wisdom is to acquire it through our own lived experiences. But you have to make sure you, you reflect on those, uh, that you learn from them. The second way to acquire wisdom is from relationships with people who act as advisors and counselors. I would suggest you seek out people that have walked the path before you. Whether this is in you know, formal relationships, like having mentors or having therapists and counselors, but have people in your life that you routinely and regularly go to to teach you wisdom, that you can ask them about situations. How do I get the desired result I want in the situation I'm looking at? This can help us to anticipate um, unintended consequences and see pitfalls that we might not see on our own, but to prepare for them and to learn from them. As a financial advisor, we, uh, we advise people to have three different um, professionals in their lives from a money perspective. We encourage them to have a financial professional, financial advisor, and also a tax professional, and, and a legal counsel as well, as they're developing things uh, like their estates and their financial plans. And and I think that it's important, not just in our finances, but our entire lives, to have have mentors and to have advisors. One of the things I really value about Pastor Chip is that he takes a lot of time to invest in other pastors, especially younger pastors, to teach them the mistakes he's made—teach him about the mistakes he's made so they can learn from them, to help them learn to develop multi-ethnic communities— um, beyond just this place. And so I really appreciate that the time that he takes to do that. 
And as I encourage you to, to seek out mentors, I would also encourage many of you to be mentors. There's a collective wisdom in this place that is important to share with the generations behind you. I know a lot of millennials today that actually want those relationships. They want that wisdom from the generation that came before them. Some of them haven't gotten it at home. They didn't get it growing up. But they want to get it from folks like you. <clears throat> now make sure that they actually want it. Don't just give it. That's like shouting in the wind. Don't throw pearls before the swine. But I will tell you this. Don't write off the younger generations. They want and need wisdom in ways that we might not always realize. The third way that I believe we can acquire wisdom is through listening to and reading about the experience of others. One of my favorite sayings is, it goes along the lines of this, leaders are readers and leaders are learners. I also believe that as Christians, we ought to be readers and learners so that we are always growing in our faith, so that we're always growing in who we are as people. In the Greek Orthodox Church, well, just in the Orthodox Church in general, not just the Greek Orthodox Church, but the Orthodox Church, they have a tradition of sainthood, and they also, in the Catholic Church, but in the, um, in the, in the Orthodox Church, the patron saint of wisdom is a saint by the name of Saint Sophia. And Saint Sophia um, is depicted here in uh, this icon. Saint Sophia had three daughters. Uh, their names were Faith, Hope, and Love. Faith, Hope, and Charity. You see them depicted here. Now, Sophia in the Greek literally means wisdom. So um, I think that's why she gets to be called the patron, patron saint of wisdom in part. But I read a little bit about her story. And I read a little bit about how he, she raised her children up in the Christian faith. And as the story goes, her three children, her three daughters, were brought before the emperor and were tortured and eventually martyred for their faith because they would not, would not renounce their faith in front of the emperor. And so I think there's something to learn from the wisdom of Sophia of, to how she raised her children, how she lived out her faith herself, and how she was willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. There are lots and lots and lots of saints within the Orthodox tradition that I um, really value. It's not part of our tradition as, as United Methodists to venerate the saints, but I think we can learn from them. We can also learn from the, the church fathers and mothers that have come before us. And, and I would encourage you to pick up some of that literature um, and learn from it um, and, and gain some, some perspective on it. Now, when we go into Proverbs, that's one way to do it. I want to make a quick note here, just because it's a pet peeve of mine, and it feels like a place to share this. It may be a bit of a non sequitur. This is what I would say. Proverbs 31. How many, how many of you have read that, that scripture? And if you haven't, I'll tell you what it is. Proverbs 31 is the, um, the, the Proverbs, the, the, the Proverbs wo woman, right? This is what an ideal woman, Christian woman should be, you know, faithful woman should be. As we have talked about Lady Wisdom in chapter 8, 
It's the personification of wisdom. Chapter 31 is the continuation of that personification of wisdom. This isn't what an ideal wife or an ideal mother or woman is supposed to be. It's what all of us are supposed to be. So stop putting those expectations and ideals on the women in your life, and, or stop as women, stop putting that on you, and realize that this is what wisdom does in all the breadth of its, of its you know, being and entity. So all of us should, should seek to live out those aspects of wisdom, okay? I'm done with that, but it's a pet peeve. I just want to put it out there as we're talking about Proverbs. Stop misusing that, please. Are we okay with that? All right. Thank you for entertaining that little quick aside. Now, the last way I want to, um, well, actually, yeah, the last way I want to talk about how do we acquire wisdom is we acquire wisdom from spiritual revelation, of reading scripture, of prayer, and revelation of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah... um, Verse 9, uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, excuse me, of, of verse 7, um, Isaiah is prophesying about the coming Messiah. And we, of course, as Christians, believe that that prophecy was referring to Jesus as the Messiah. One of the things that they describe the Messiah as in that passage is wonderful counselor. So Jesus is... A, a, our wonderful counselor, he's imparting wisdom to us in our relationship with him. In John 14, Jesus, talking to his disciples, says this. He says, But the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all things that I have said. The, the, um, there's an icon. Do we have a picture of the... the the, uh, the, the Jesus icon. There it is. Thank you. Um, this is a picture of Jesus as the teacher. Um, the, the hand symbols here, it represents him in a teaching position. So we're reminded that Jesus is, of course, the, the um, source of our salvation and of our faith, but he is also the teacher. He's the teacher of wisdom. And so I would just encourage us to reflect on that as well, um, that Jesus is our teacher. And so we need to stay connected to him as our Lord and Savior, um, that he is transforming us and guiding us in those desired paths to be light and love so so that we can drive out darkness and hatred in our lives. Stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to God. Solomon, at the end of his life, got distracted from his love of God. And I believe that was why he ultimately had some significant shortcomings at the end of his life. Wisdom alone cannot save us, but wisdom can direct us, and God can save us so that we can be transformed, so that we can be a transforming source in our lives. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much that you are a good and loving God. Lord, we thank you that you are the source of all wisdom, but we, Lord, we thank you that your wisdom is a diverse a diverse thing that brings us all together so that we might be light and love in this dark and broken and hateful world. 
Lord, help us to stand for light and love uh, in our neighborhoods, on our sports fields, in our schools, in our businesses. God, let us be light and love. Let us stand against the hatred and the vileness of this world in the so many ways that we experience it. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us today, that where we need comforted, it would comfort us, where, it needs to, where we need to be challenged, that you would challenge us, God. Lord, we love you, and we ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen.